Good morning, gorgeous. How are you ladies doing this morning? I hope you're all doing fantastic. This is your host, Dr. Michelle Daff, and you're listening to a Feminine Impression Podcast. In today's podcast, we're going to be discussing the book, The Esther Anointing, and we're talking today about fasting and praying, two of the most important things that you could ever do for your life. By learning the importance and how to fast and pray, my love, you are going to be able to take off spiritual tides that have been holding you down. As a woman, we have so many goals and hopes and dreams, and a lot of us have been through a lot of things that have stopped us from being able to see ourselves the way that God sees us. And I want to encourage you through this information, using Queen Esther as an example of the power that comes into your life through fasting. You become so close with God. You feel his love with you all day long. You're able to break through things you could have never broken through on your own. Things as serious as depression, anxiety, fear, and all the traumatic things that you may have experienced as a young person. So I want to encourage you to pick up the book, The Esther Anointing by Michelle McLean Walters. But more importantly, I want you to take in this information and apply it to your life. Because I promise you, my love, It will help you in ways you could have never imagined. So go ahead and sit back, relax, grab something to drink, get something to write with, and let's talk about this. Your feminine session today was sponsored by Pros. Pros is a brand that creates customized hair care products for people, not hair types. You'll never have to compromise on healthy hair goals because every product formula is made with you in mind. Their freshly made-to-order products are designed to transform with you through seasonal and lifestyle changes. I was so excited to be able to try this brand out because I have been neglecting my hair after moving, planning for a wedding, and just being extremely busy. I've really depended on wearing wigs and haven't thought about my hair. But once I received this opportunity, I filled out their quiz online, which was so unique, and there were tons of questions that I had never been asked before about my hair and about my lifestyle for them to formulate the best products for me. And I love the fact that they don't focus on hair types, but they focus on lifestyle and what your hair responds to. Pros stands by clean and responsible beauty. So every formula is sustainably sourced and cruelty-free. So pros can accommodate virtually any preference, including vegan, gluten-free, and more. Pros realizes that there is more to you than just your hair type. So they've given over 1 million consultations to figure out exactly what it is that your hair needs. And that's why their quizzes are so well informed, including things like your eating habits, your exercise habits, even where you live. 
My favorite product was the hair oil because it was formulated with high quality oils and the bottle is just so beautiful. My hair just looks super shiny in a really healthy way. It looks gorgeous sitting out and gorgeous in my hair. I thoroughly enjoyed the amount of detail this brand offers how beautiful the bottles look. The personalization that's on the actual bottle is gorgeous. And if you're not 100% positive that it's the best hair care you've had, they will take the products back with no questions asked. That is some serious confidence. Pros is a healthy hair regimen with your name all over it, girl. If you want to take advantage of this healthy hair care regimen with your name all over it, then take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off of your first order today. Go to pros.com slash impression. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash impression for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. Thank you so much, Pros, for sponsoring this feminine session. Now, let's get into this content. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for being here. We're here today to discuss the book, The Esther Anointing. Today, we're talking specifically about prayer and fasting. But this is very important. This chapter to me is probably the most important thing to talk about. So if you don't really understand prayer and fasting, then today is going to be very important. Because for me personally, this was something I didn't realize the importance of until very recently. I would say I didn't start an actual food fast for the first time in my life until this past summer. So I have experienced fasting breakthroughs in so many areas of my life in just a little over seven months. And up until then, I had never done it. I didn't understand why people did it. I didn't see how powerful it was. I didn't understand much about it. So I'm hoping that this won't be the case for you. I know some of you already fast, but for those of you who don't, I really do want you to understand why you have to do it and understand how to do it properly and what you should be doing while you're fasting. So this book gives us a perfect segue. Even though she doesn't talk so much about how to fast, I want to dive into that a little bit more because it's so important. So this book is written for women who are pretty much already kind of in the kingdom, understand the kingdom and all of that. But a lot of you ladies who watch, this is some of your first time even hearing any of this stuff. It's all very new to you. So I want to make sure that you get what you need. Fasting for a specific purpose, for a specific task, revelation, breakthrough is a different kind of fast. And it's important to know the differences. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and start off with chapter five in the book, The Esther Anointing by Michelle McLean Walters. And I'm going to read the first bit and then I'm going to do some discussion. Esther demonstrates maturity and wisdom in declaring a fast. She did not operate in presumption. She knew that this was a situation beyond her control and only a breaking in the spirit and a strategy from a high would bring the deliverance her people needed. Esther commanded a fast for all of those within her sphere of influence. She knew the power of unity. She knew the power that a quiet and submitted spirit would have over the enemy. 
She knew that God would give her grace in exchange for her humility. Therefore, for three days, Esther waited in the presence of God to receive revelation from him on the best course of action. Calling a fast for three days implies that during this time of fasting, she would also be waiting on her Lord in prayer. That's what fasting is all about. The Jews didn't stop eating to lose weight. They fasted for spiritual reasons. When an issue this prominent becomes their concern, things got pretty intense as they filled the time that they would normally spend preparing and consuming food in protracted periods of prayer and quiet fasting. Fasting is one of the spiritual disciplines God has established to achieve breakthrough in our lives and in the lives of others. Before we attempt to do great things for the Lord, we should take out time to fast. It is not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bounds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Isaiah 58, 6. So you have to remember, Esther was in the position that she was coming to the king and she hadn't been summoned. So her doing that was going to result in either the king allowing her or death. Those were pretty much the only options. So what she was doing was very uh, serious. It required the wisdom from God. It could not be something that was taken lightly because her life was at stake. And not just her life, but the life of all of the Jews that lived there. So she had a heavy burden placed on her and she needed to know what to do. And that's why fasting is so important because in that time, you're waiting in humility for God's decision, God's word, God's, his viewpoint on whatever it is that you're maybe asking him a question about something. Should I leave my job? So you're waiting to see what God says, how God responds to that. And so these are usually, it doesn't have to be, but usually pretty big decisions that you need God's wisdom and guidance for. So you would seek his face by fasting. And I'm going to read some of the things that fasting does for you in terms of your spirit. So remember, ladies, you are spirit. We are spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body, but ultimately we are spirit. So we do things in our daily life to feed our physical bodies with food. We clothe ourselves. We make ourselves look pretty. We do things to feed our soul, but we don't always spend a lot of time feeding our spirit and making sure that our spirit is cleansed, is renewed, is free. And most of the things, everything I should say that you do is a result of what's going on in your spirit. Whatever you do or don't do or can't do is a result of what's going on in the spiritual world. So even though you cannot see the spiritual world around you, it doesn't mean that it isn't there. And I always say that with Wi-Fi. Like when I'm talking to children about stuff like this, I think about Wi-Fi. You don't see Wi-Fi, but you know it's there. You know that it is somehow connecting your computer or your phone with electricity and giving you what you need in that moment. So you may not see it, but it's still working and it's still active. So you have to do things to be able to deal with all the things going on in the spiritual world. And one of those things is fasting especially when you're doing something great for God. When God is involved, it's important to be able to figure out what does he want? What does he say about it? Because we have the thoughts that are in our own mind. We have thoughts that the devil puts in our mind. And then we have thoughts that God puts on our heart. So we have to make sure we're picking the right thoughts. And that requires spending time with God. So these are some things that fasting can do for your spirit. 
And she lists it on page 63 and 64 in the book. It says, the scripture states that fasting will loose bonds of wickedness in our lives. Fasting strengthens the spirit. Fasting releases power in intercession. Fasting releases direction for decisions. Fasting softens the heart and readies it for repentance. Fasting breaks pride and brings humility. Fasting releases strategy and breakthrough in a crisis. Fasting releases revelation from God. Fasting releases a manifold wisdom of God. This is something that I hear a lot of people, Christians and non-Christians and just people in general, talking about how they wish that they could hear God. They wish they could hear God's voice. They wish they could hear God's answers. They just can't hear God. And fasting is the best way to be able to hear God. If you want to hear from God, when you humble yourself by fasting with food, with food, Food is, it's necessary. Now you may say, well, why can't I fast from my cell phone or from other things? What I say is you should be fasting from those things in that time too. So food is a must because when you loosen those spiritual ties with food, you're going to start to see one, how much you're going to want to eat and how carnal you are and how your body is just going to crave things that you wouldn't even care to eat just because you're hungry. And whether or not you're going to listen to your growlings or you're going to be tied to whatever it is that you're fasting about and replacing that time that you'd be spending cooking, thinking about food. We spend so much time thinking about food, thinking about where we're going to get our food from or how long it's going to take to cook it. So you're not, you're taking all of that time, the time that you're eating your food, the time that you're cleaning up from your food, the time that you're shopping for food, all of that will be used to spend time with God. And in addition to that, you're not on your phone. You're not chatting it up with your friends. You're not watching Netflix and watching TV and doing all the things you would normally do. You're taking your time and you're really trying to see God's face. So a lot of people will think that they can fast, but then they're still like going to parties and drinking, or they're still talking on their phone for six or seven hours with their friends about random things when they're supposed to be spending time with God. So the purpose is for you to be in the word and to be praying for your food to be the word of God, for the Bible to be your food. And you will realize that when you're fasting and you begin to read your Bible and pray, you will not get hungry. You will not get hungry. Now, I used to hear this all the time and I didn't believe it until I did it. And I realized that not only are you not hungry, but when you're about to end your fast, a lot of times you don't even want to eat. You don't even want to eat because you feel so free. You feel so good. And it's not a running a mile feeling good. It's not that kind. It's not a physical feeling of good. You just feel like you are above the clouds. You feel so free. And someone said in one of my live sessions, and I, re I read it afterwards, I thought it was so profound. Someone said that the reason why God requires you not to eat is because Eating was the first sin. With Adam and Eve in the garden, they sinned by eating the fruit that they were not supposed to eat. And the enemy has, has used food to be able to attack us. And so when you're not eating, you're opening yourself up spiritually, which you really are. And I will go into that later about how serious that is when you're not eating to be in that submissive, uh, humble state with God because the enemy can and will 
try to attack you during those times. And if you're not in the word and you're doing other things, you will you will fall for it and it's going to be really sad. I'm going to skip over a lot of things in the book only because I do want you to read it. I want you to understand it on your own. And I want to highlight the things that I think are extremely important and go into my own details about it. So I'm not going to be reading so, so much from the book today. I have a lot of other things I want to talk about. In terms of fasting, she talks about how fasting releases God's judgment. Uh, or I'm sorry, God's justice and what justice means and how important justice is. We as women are in a society where we've had to fight so hard to be able to be heard, to be able to have a voice, to be able to do things, to be able to receive the things that we want. And unfortunately, with women, a lot of terrible things have happened to us, whether it's happened to us as a child, it's happened to us as an adult, our, our bodies being violated by people, our emotions being violated by people. These things have truly affected us as women. And a lot of times we want justice. We know that we can't necessarily do it ourselves, but we want to make sure that those people are punished or that things get changed or that we see some resolution in certain areas in the world. Maybe it didn't happen to you. Maybe it happened to your mother or it happened to your sister and you have a heart for fixing whatever that is. It's important to understand that God is a God of justice. He is a just God and he, he is swift with his justice. Sometimes you will see it. Sometimes you will not see it, but know that he loves you more than you love yourself. He saw everything that happened and none of it, no one's going to get away with. So, Putting our faith in God to know that he is just is necessary for you to be able to be humble enough to come to him knowing he's going to fix it. But there are some things that maybe happen to you that you're going to have to also undo in your life so that you can be free. And she talks about on page 68, Jesus taught that justice would be established through night and day prayer. So that's how you establish it through night and day prayer. And that's something that's already in the Bible before Jesus came on earth in Deuteronomy when God was speaking with Joshua and just telling him about how to be successful and how to live a great life. He says that you must meditate on the word day and night, not just once a day, but day and night that you stay in the word and you pray and you seek his face. So Jesus taught that justice would be established through night and day prayer, speaking God's word. Justice is God making wrong things right. Just Jesus is the ultimate social reformer. He was the first to connect justice, social reform, and making wrong things right to night and day prayer. Shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Intercession positions us to hear from God and obey him that we might walk in our callings and destinies. And this was beautiful to me because this morning when I was doing my devotion, this was a really hard morning for me. And I know that it was just the enemy just really trying to get me in a mood where I didn't want to do this live because it's so important. And fasting, when you learn about how important it is, you'll see why the enemy tries to attack you so much when you want to help people fast and we talk about fasting. But I couldn't even get into the lesson that I wanted to get into for myself. And I just asked God, just show me a scripture and let me meditate on it. And 
he showed me Psalm 9. I didn't quite understand why he showed it to me until I read up on what we were talking about today and it all connected and I thought it was beautiful. But in Psalm chapter 9, I'm just going to read you a piece of it because he talks about justice. Actually, the psalm is titled Celebration of God's Justice. And it says, I'm reading from verse 7, but the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He judges the world with righteousness. He executes judgment on the nations with fairness. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you because you have not abandoned those who seek you, Yahweh. And I thought that was so beautiful. And it's, it's just true that God will avenge his own. And when people choose to seek the Lord, he will administer justice. And I also ended up reading about a story, which again, I didn't really see the connection until I was trying to like put all these things together for today's lesson. And it was a story about Judah back in Genesis. If you want to go there, I'm going to see if I can find it. And Judah, he had two sons and actually he had three sons. He had three sons and the first son was married to a woman named Tamar. And in the story, this is Genesis chapter 38. So you can read it for yourself because the whole story is in chapter 38. And I think it's really interesting how it ties in with God's justice. But so Judah had these three sons and the older two sons were of marrying age. And one of them married a woman named Tamar. And what happened was the, the son, his name was Ur. Yeah, he was so wicked in God's eyes that God killed him. It didn't say why God killed him, but it just said he was wicked. So God killed him. And so in those days, when a woman doesn't have any children, the brother of the person ends up usually taking her as a wife, giving her children. So those children can then be the heirs to whatever that brother had. So Ur was the firstborn, the one God killed. And the second one was named Onan. And Judah, his father, told him, he said, sleep with your brother's wife, perform your duty as her brother-in-law, and produce offspring with your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he released the semen on the ground so that he would not produce offspring for his brother. He basically tricked her in, in making it seem like he was trying to give her a baby, but he he wouldn't. He would have sex with her still, but then he would uh, spill his semen off to the side, right? Which the Lord thought was very evil, uh, what he did, and he put him to death too. So two of his sons have now been put to death by God, and she still has no baby. And here she is, you know, this innocent woman who just wanted to be married and have children. And these brothers are, you know, not even able to give her one because of their wicked ways. So God killed both of them for the things that they did. They were evil in his sight. So there was a little brother and Judah told her, he told Tamar to remain a widow. Okay, go back to your father's house until my other son grows up and then you can be with him or he can give you children, basically. So she left and she went to live with her father. And as the years went on, Judah's wife, he died. So after a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had finished mourning, he and his friend Hira, the Adulamite, went to Tinma to the sheep seers. 
Tamar was told, your father-in-law is going to Tima to shear his sheep. So she took off her widow's clothes, veiled her face, covered herself, and sat at the entrance of Enim, which is on the way to Tima. For she thought that Sheila had grown up, but she had not been given to him as a wife. So she felt that, okay, well, I still haven't been given a husband. And you told me that this was going to happen and it didn't happen. So I think she was, she was upset. <laughs> so when Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute for she covered her face. He went over to her and said, come, let me sleep with you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. So she pretended to be a prostitute and Judah saw her and wanted to have sex with her. And then she asked him, what are you going to give me? And he said, well, I'll, I'll give you a, I'll send a young goat for my flock. And then she said, well, only if you leave something with me until you send it. So he asked, what should I give you? And she said, your signet ring, your cord, and the staff on your hand. So he gave them to her and slept with her, and she got pregnant by him. So she got pregnant by the father. Okay, just think about how this whole story comes together. She got up and left, then removed her veil and put on her widow's clothes again. When Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adulamite, in order to get back the items that he left with the woman, he couldn't find her. He asked the men of the place, where is the cult prostitute who was beside the road at Enyam? And they're like, there's no, there's no cult prostitute here. So the Adulamite returned to Judah and said, I can't find her. And the men said that there hasn't been a prostitute here. So he replied, well, let her just keep the items for herself. Otherwise, I'm going to become a laughingstock. After all, I did send the young goat, but you couldn't find her. About three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law Tamar has been acting like a prostitute. And now she's pregnant. And he says, well, bring her out. Let her be burned to death. Like, what? What? Did, I can't believe she did this. And as she was being brought out, she sent her father-in-law this message. I am pregnant by the man whom these items belong to. She added, examine them. Whose signet ring, cord, and staff are these? Of course, Judah recognized them and said, she is more in the right than I, since I did not give her my son, Shelah. And he did not know her intimately again. And then when she did give birth, she gave birth to twins. So I thought that story was interesting. And I felt like the Lord led me to the story to show an example of how a person took upon it on their own to bring about justice for their cause. And how she felt she was owed or she had the right to be able to have a child. And this man pretty much played her by not doing what he said he was going to do. So she was going to get what she wanted. And she ended up having those two children. Now, you can argue and say, well, that was the Lord who did that, that it was all orchestrated by God. You know, it depends on how you see it, that maybe she just took it upon herself without seeking the Lord. So that to me was a good illustration of how women in society sometimes are in positions where we feel like we deserve something, that we're owed something, or maybe we've even been promised something and it doesn't happen. Or we go through struggles and trials that make us think that we're not going to get the things that we've desired and hoped for. And so sometimes we do things to try to get those things on our own. But the Lord is always watching. He is always looking after us and he will always bring justice to us. I don't know if any of you have ever paid attention to that story, but I thought that story was really interesting. Let me know if it's a story that you've ever paid attention to. Going back to the Lord's justice, on page 67, it says, 
God is expanding and increasing the rule of his kingdom. Therefore, he has to establish order and justice. This happens through his judgment and through your prayers. Like Esther, you have been strategically positioned as his queen over a territory. And as you pray, you are establishing God's order to things that have been out of order. Through prayer, you are operating under your mandate to bring kingdom order to your sphere of influence back into the earth realm. So this brings me to the point about there being a formula to prayer. Prayer is not simply you just talking to God and just saying, hi, God, how's your day? I'm good. I hope you're here. I hope you, I hope you hear me. I need this thing from you. God is not a genie. And there is a structure to effective prayer. It's not to say that you can't have days where you are doing that or moments where you're doing that. But number one, prayer is not something that you just do in the morning or before you go to sleep. It should be really all day long. And it doesn't have to be you closing your eyes and being there for hours. There should be a time and a place where you are by yourself and you are seeking God's face. But in general, you should be praying all day long. And some prayers will be like that. They'll be very short, simple, and other prayers are need to be constructed in a way where you are coming to God in the way that he is willing to really hear you out. And I don't hear too much talk about the structure of prayer and how important that is, but I'm going to go into that because it's important. When you come to pray, it's important that you start off with some sort of praise where you're praising God, where you are singing, you're dancing, you're having fun before the Lord, you are exalting his name. Okay, you are letting him know who he is. He's a king. Kings love for you to tell them, oh, great king, live forever. So you're, you're telling him you are the Lord of hosts. You are the king of kings. You are Yahweh. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are exalting his name as you're entering his presence. And then when you pray, it's important that you pray for other people. You're not just praying for yourself. You start off thanking God for all the wonderful things he's done for you. Even if you don't feel like he has, you're thanking him that you even have breath to speak to him, that you have eyes to see everything that you have that you maybe don't think about. Maybe that's the time to focus on those things. And then you're praying for other people. You're telling God, please help this person at my job. Please help this woman at the nail shop. Please help the lady who told me her son is sick. Please help this person who I feel is being mistreated in the workplace. Whatever it is, you're praying for other people first before you pray to your, for yourself. And what you'll find is when you start doing that, how difficult it is for you to pray for other people first. Not to say that you can't pray for them, but praying for them before yourself, it takes discipline and it takes that humility for you to be able to say, I'm putting other people's needs before my own. The Lord knows what you need before you even ask him. He is very aware of everything you need. <laughs> you telling him is important, but he knows. He wants you to be humble and to put other people before yourself. Pray for the world. Pray for your parents. Pray for the people at your job, the people in your apartment complex. All of those things affect you. 
And even if they don't, that is part of the reason why you're here is not just for yourself, but it's for the world. So if you are a woman who is seeking the Lord, he is going to require that you think about other people and not just yourself. So Esther did a really wonderful thing in terms of being able to fast and to pray and to put herself in that position to help everyone else, because this wasn't just about her. It was really about about them. And everything in this world you're going to find is connected to every single person. Okay, so you don't always know what to pray for, but it's important just to pray for other people. And God does smile on you. And he does reciprocate those prayers back onto your life by you doing that. And it's also important that when you pray, you're taking time to ask for God's forgiveness. This is important. God will not hear you if you do not ask for forgiveness. So you are being humble and you are telling him that you're sorry for the things that you did. You're repenting. You're turning away from the things that you were doing, the things that you should not have done. You're saying that I don't want to do that anymore. So you're in there in a humble state saying, I'm sorry, I'm changing my mind, I'm changing my behavior. And you're also letting go of the people who have hurt you. If you have had an offense that day, if there's someone you're angry with that day, even if it's not that day and you're holding on to anger, you need to release it before you ask him for something. He will not hear your prayers. If you don't forgive others, he won't forgive you. He's made that very clear. So you need to come to him in humility. And this is why a lot of people struggle and that they'll say, God doesn't hear my prayers. And it's not that he's not hearing your prayers, but you have a lot of things inside of you that also needs to be dealt with before he can grant these things you're asking for. Not to say he won't because he's sovereign and he does what he wants, but this is what he's asked. So you're praying for other people. You're asking for forgiveness. If you are married, you are on good terms with your husband. This one is huge. This is another issue for married couples. If you're not in good terms with your husband and you're praying, God is not going to hear that prayer. You know, two become one. You are one unit and you need to be in harmony. So if your husband just offended you and you guys got into a big fight and you're praying for something totally unrelated, it's not like you're praying for God to help you and your, your family, but you're saying, I'm not going to talk to him. And then you go and you you say a prayer, God is going to block that prayer. You need to fix whatever's going on in your household. He doesn't want the sun to even go down on your anger. It needs to be that day as soon as possible and then come to him. So there is an order and a strategy to prayer. And then you can definitely ask for the things that you want in your life and you come to him and it's important to use scripture. He's given you so much scripture, so many promises that you can stand on. So as you're praying, you're praying whatever you want, but you're also adding the promises that he has given you to stand on. And those promises hold power. God is a just God. He will stick with his word. And that's important. That's important to say that because he sticks to his word, you have to make sure you're obeying it because he's going to stick to it. And it's also a great thing because the things that he's promised you, he's also going to stick to those things. He's not going to be wishy-washy. So it's important for you to know how to come to God. And it is necessary that you pray for others and not just yourself. In the book, on page 68, she says, intercession for others causes multiplied blessings to return back on the life of the intercessor. 
Every prayer of blessing for another is a prayer that God returns back on you and your family. The law of the kingdom requires that we always receive more than what we give away by faith. Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with that same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. That's Luke 6.38. You're making sure that you are praying for other people and understanding that it's just the kingdom laws. And again, I always say it's important for you to understand how a kingdom operates so that you can truly understand what you can expect from God. When you give to a king, he gives you more. That is what a king does. He shows you his excellence, his bounty. If you give the king a gift, he has to give you more because that shows that he's the king. He's showing his, his excellence. He's showing his riches and his glory to you. And there's a great example of that in the Bible when the queen of Sheba came to visit King Solomon and she brought him gifts. She's also a queen, but she brought him all of these gifts that she thought were probably going to just be so just blow his mind. And when she was leaving, he gave her so many things, so many things that were just, she couldn't even believe that he was able to give her. But that's what kings do. They're like, oh, okay, you gave me this. I have to top it. That's what a king does. And so these are just kingdom principles, kingdom laws. This is how the kingdom functions. So as a kingdom ambassador, you have to know your kingdom rights so you can stand on them. And when you give, it'll be given back to you plenty. You don't seek that, of course. It's not why you're giving. You're not giving just to get more. That's not, that's not kingdom. You're giving because that's what God's asked you to do. And that includes money, time, advice, prayer, everything. Okay. And so she says in the book, prayer and fasting move us into a new realm of authority. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Ecclesiastes 8.4. As I have said, the way we administrate the kingdom is by our words. Worlds are framed, wars are fought, and relationships are built or broken down by words, which form our prayers, which form our spirit of intercession. We must watch our words. We can't say that our families or our cities are going to hell in a handbasket because there are angels and demons watching over our words, waiting to perform the actions you speak out. This is heavy. I love that she put this in here because it's so true. When you start seeking the Lord and you start truly fine tuning your prayers, you're going to see how serious words are. And you're going to start to see as your prayers start shifting the kingdom, as you start praying, you start seeing things move. You're going to realize how serious it is that you watch whatever comes out of your mouth. This is so common. We hear people talking bad about their own family members, about their friends, about people that they say that they care about. But in that same sentence, they'll say, oh, she's hopeless. I don't think she's going to ever make it. I just wish she would get her life together. You know, I'm going to pray that she just, God will do it. God will do it. We just have to trust that God will do it. And it's like, you just said all of these things to take away from everything that was already being orchestrated on her behalf. Your words are the enemy's tool to be able to orchestrate whatever you've put out. And so you have to be careful. 
and watch every single word that comes out of your mouth. It is necessary for some of us to be able to speak a lot slower, to be able to listen to other people when they speak. This was something I had to work on heavily and I was convicted and the Lord, he beat this one out of me because I was very careless with my words and I did not realize how serious it was. I was also in a family structure where we made it okay to talk about each other. We made it okay to talk about each other as long as we were kind of including God in it in some way to say, okay, well, you know, the Lord will help him or the Lord will fix it after we're done saying all these negative things. And I thought it was okay to talk like that about my family. I was convicted of that heavily. I made a huge mistake and it changed my whole life because it was, it just weighed so heavily on me that I made this horrible, horrible mistake by saying something I shouldn't have said and not realizing how wrong it was to talk about people in your family. Because I was always under the, um, the premise that, well, if you love the person, then it's okay to talk bad about them because you love them. At the end of the day, I'm her mom, right? Like, if I'm her mom. I should be able to say whatever I want to say about my daughter. And that's not true. <laughs> you don't get a free pass to say something negative or horrible about your daughter just because you're her mom and you say you love her. First of all, that's not love to do that. And secondly, you don't love her more than the Lord loves her. And you can't use that as an excuse to talk bad about your children with other family members, to talk bad about your siblings with other people, with strangers, your family unit is what's going to push your legacy out and you are connected to your family whether you like it or not and they're your blood these are the people that you should be praying for the most they affect you the most and everything that you do with them we don't understand why and how god created the family unit but we know that family is important to god all the blessings that he orchestrated in the bible are through families through generations. If he punished generations for certain periods of time, if he blessed them, it was through family. Family is important to God, even if it's not important to you. So he will judge you based on how you talk about your family behind their back and how you feel about them and feel about the ability for them to be able to rise out of whatever circumstances they're in. It's not to say it's okay if you have a sister who's on drugs and who's causing the family havoc because she's back and forth on drugs. It's not to say, oh, it's okay, I shouldn't say anything about it. It's to say when you are talking about her, you're speaking in a way of hope. You're speaking, you're putting life into her. You're not tearing her down even though she's not there to see it because your words are being carried out in a spiritual way. And you're making things worse ultimately for that person. And you will be held responsible for those words. So I'm just letting you know, as someone who definitely didn't see the seriousness behind this, when I started shifting my words and also um, shifting those negative thoughts into prayers for that person and praying and fasting, I saw miraculous breakthrough in their lives, miraculous. And I thought this whole time, if I wouldn't have been talking mess and praying for them, for real, you can't pray for someone and talk about them at the same time. That's not, that's, that's not genuine. If you are spending time on your knees, talking to God, blessing them, reading scriptures, 
and truly wanting the best for them, you will have nothing in you to speak negatively on them. As a matter of fact, you will become irritated when someone else does because you know <laughs> you've been putting in all this work to help bless this person's life and you won't even engage in those negative conversations. So that is important for you to watch your words, especially with your family. Even if it's something simple, you know, something that you're something labeling, you don't need to do that. Okay, so I just really want you to remember that your words have power. Okay, so I'm going to read this last piece on page 70. So I'm going to read out of page 70. Prayer is a scepter God designed for his kings and queens to extend as they rule and reign. Through the scepter of prayer, we will see his plans and purposes established in our lives and on earth. The Bible says that whatever we bind or permit will be bound or permitted in the earth. Whatever we begin to speak a thing, it will be established. We have the power through our prayers to stand as a gatekeeper and as a force against the powers of darkness. We have the power and authority to drive out the devil out of the affairs of mankind. All the authority of the devil in the earthly realm is illegal. Okay, the devil has power, but no authority. You have authority under Jesus Christ. That is your authority. It is in his name that you can speak these things and bind any satanic devices, any demonic devices. You have authority. He does not. And that's important for you to know so that you're not afraid. He does not have any delegated authority. The way he gets his power is through the actions of man. He operates through our choices. This is why fasting and prayer are so important. Our choices must become fully influenced by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a very real battle going on there. The devil is taking no prisoners. He is out for blood. Nations are raging. It was true in Esther's day and it is true today. Woman of God, you must stand in your jurisdiction. If you don't know what that is, ask God and he will tell you the territory he has given you. Our influence is not meant to be infinite and reach everyone. It is important to know that God has, has not given us everything. Okay, so it's important that number one, you understand that you have authority. And I was listening to a sermon from Dr. Monroe when he was talking about doing things in someone's name and how he took his son to the bank and said, my son can make transactions, take out money, do all of these things in my name. I'm giving him the authority to do that. When you are under Jesus Christ, you are under his authority. By that authority, you can do things like drive out demons, heal the sick. You can do that through his authority. Okay, the power is there. The power comes from, again, our words and things like, that we've done here in the earthly realm, but there is no authority that, that the devil has, but you have the authority to drive him out. And unfortunately, many of us don't understand that, don't know how to exercise that, are too afraid to, we're too afraid of the enemy, and you don't have to be afraid of the enemy. Once you understand what God wants for you, what God designed for you, what he said, which is why you have to read your Bible, that is where all of the information is. That's where all of your tools are. If you don't know the Bible, then the devil can just wreck you because you don't have anything to stand on. Your prayers, the prayers that are just kind of like, just help me and 
I need this. Those prayers are not enough to get the devil off your back. You need to stand in your authority and you need to understand when things are going on in your life that the devil has his hand on. Sometimes we go through things and we don't even understand the spiritual significance of it. We just see it in the natural, but we don't see what the devil's doing. And it can be something very minor. It doesn't matter what it is. You can always exercise prayer. I woke up this morning with a headache. I, I knew that God does not want me to have a headache. He does not want me to be sick. I know that. That is not his design for my life. So I prayed and I cast out the devil in that moment. I had faith that by me casting it out, the Lord would restore my body to perfect health. And I did. And my headache went away. Now, I could have sat there and just been like, well, you know, my head hurts so bad. I don't want to take medicine. Why is my head hurting? Is it because of this? Is it because of this? Is it because of this? And it wasted my time. Or I could have went straight to the source and exercised my authority. I will use every single tool God gave me. And I really want you to all have the same experience because you have all of these things at your disposal. He's given you the power, but you have to be able to work with the Lord. You are running under his authority. So as long as you reach out to him and you pray about it and you ask in the name of Jesus, under the authority of Jesus, because if you try to cast out a devil, you try to do something that's like, <laughs> and who are you? And who are you? How can you tell me to leave your body? Who are you? You are the daughter of the most high God. You can say, I am under the authority of Christ, my Lord. And that is what gives you the authority for him to say, okay, well, I got to leave you alone. And you resist the devil and he will flee. If you pray him out, you seek out the Lord, he will go away. It's a promise. It's a promise. When God says something, it is true. So you exercise it by believing it and standing on it. I really need you to understand that there is no reason to be scared of the devil. He will try to play off of your ignorance and wreak havoc in your marriage. So an example of the devil fleeing in your marriage, whenever there's anything that you start making like a huge issue for you, he will, the devil will tap into that. And that will be like your new problem, whatever it is, big or small. So in your marriage, we already talked about the devil loving to ruin you in that area because you have so much power in your marriage. If he knows that your husband irritates you when he leaves his socks on the bed and they're dirty, every day those socks will be on that bed and they'll be dirty. And every day you're going to have an attitude with him. You're not going to make him breakfast. You're going to not want him to kiss you. You're going to be upset on your way to work because of those socks, right? So the enemy will use that situation to just wreak havoc throughout your whole day so that you won't be happy with your husband. But if you decide on that day, you know what? I'm not going to get mad about the socks. I'm not. They're just socks. I'm not going to get mad about them. Even if you're psyching yourself out, because remember, you have a spirit, but then you also have your, your mind and your emotions, and those things are different. So emotionally, you might be like, oh, God, I hate when he does this. But your spirit is saying, I trust in the Lord. I'm going to resist this temptation to be irritated off of something tiny. And I'm going to extend him grace today, just like God extends grace to me every day. And I'm just going to leave this alone and not mention it and go to work. You deciding not to get upset. The next time that happens, you will also not get upset. He will lose that power over you getting upset about those socks. It is a daily practice. He will lose that grip on you over these stupid socks. And then you'll start to realize, I can't believe I'm getting mad about that. 
And you'll be able to get your joy and your happiness back in your marriage because now you're starting to figure out how he works and what he does. And unfortunately, he will use the people closest to you to push your buttons. I do really need you to understand the power that you have so you can stop being scared of the devil. He has no authority. He is illegal. But you, my dear, have so much power and authority to be able to cast him out whenever you want. You'll start to see how much he tries to mess up your life. It'll be every little thing you see happening and you'll start to be able to pick it up. And then that will give you strength and that will give you more faith in God and more faith that God is constantly working in your life. He's never ignoring you. He's always watching over you and he's always sending his angels to help you. The author talks about hindering is things that keep us from being able to fast and that block the things that God has for us. There are certain spirits and things that we as women have dealt with in life that keep us um, from being able to be free in the spirit. So I'm talking about things like rejection, things like abuse, things that we have suffered as people that are still living inside of us. And it makes it really hard for us to be open spiritually. And what will happen, what you will see is that when you humble yourself to fast and pray, God is going to start showing you these areas in your life that you're struggling with. And he'll start highlighting it to you. It's, it's a supernatural thing. So I can't explain how it happens or, you know, what it looks like, but you'll start to notice. It'll start to feel different when you're doing certain things and you'll start to get a, an uncomfortable feeling about certain things about yourself, but not uncomfortable where you hate yourself or you just wish you weren't like that, but uncomfortable where it's like, Ooh. I need to fix this. I don't like this. And some of those things may be very difficult to face, very difficult to look at. But until you remove those things, you won't be free and he won't be able to use you the way that you want to be used and the way he wants to use you. And again, it'll be the same area the devil will keep poking at to mess you up. If you have a fear of rejection, let's say, then you may have a very difficult time being able to be the dancer that you want to be or be the author that you want to be or be the painter or the teacher or the lawyer you want to be because you don't think that people are going to like your artwork or people are going to listen to you in court or people are going to be able to read your books. Whatever it is, you're going to be so afraid of that that you won't even be able to post something for yourself on Instagram or be able to sell your material to people or be able to convince people that your work is great. So that fear, that spirit of rejection can hold you down. And so you would need to overcome that through fasting and praying. So what fasting does is it breaks those spiritual bonds, the things that the enemy has been holding onto. And some of those things we've let in on our own. Maybe something didn't happen to us, but through, I'm going to say it, drugs and alcohol are the easiest ways. Oh, I'm sorry. And sex. Drugs, alcohol, and sex are the easiest ways for the devil to get inside of you in terms of demonic attacks, influences, scarring, all of those things. It's like you're inviting that in. It's through sin. But those sins specifically are the easiest in terms of the devil just kind of walking right into your life. Because from those things usually create more things, right? So if you're high or you're drunk, you're probably going to make poor decisions. You might end up fighting someone, hurting someone, killing someone. 
you know, um, through sex, you're, you're becoming one with someone else's spirit. So whatever they had in their spirit, if they had abuse and rage and a lot of demonic things going on with them, you've now connected yourself with that. Getting a spirit of, you know, just loving pornography or loving just being nasty, wearing revealing clothing, loving the attention of men so much, wanting to be able to show your sexual skills to everyone so that they can compliment you on how good you perform this and how good your body feels. Whatever it is that you just love to hear so much. All of these things have been opened up and these are all things that are terrible for you, even though it feeds something else inside of you. So you're trying to kill that thing that it feeds inside of you because whatever it's feeding is not what God has asked you to do. He can feed that thing in a very different way. That attention that you crave, you can get it in a way that makes you feel great, in a way that just glorifies God, in a way that can bring you what you're really looking for and not allow the, the devil, now that he's inside of you, inside of your life, to use you for what he wants to use you for and for other people to be able to hurt you more. So those spirits need to be broken. And it's very difficult if you are addicted to drugs or if you are addicted to sex or porn or masturbating or whatever it is. These are hard. And from what I've heard from you ladies who have privately messaged me, they are holding you down. Like, I know how bad you want to stop. That's the thing. It's not like you're happy even doing this. Some of you have gotten to the place where God has pressed on your heart that you need to stop. And you want to stop so bad, but you haven't been successful. That's where my heart breaks for you. That's why I need to see you taking another step, going to the next level in your spiritual journey and fasting and praying. Because some of these things are just too deeply embedded. You've been doing this since you were 16. You need to have a spiritual breakthrough to break it off. It can be minor. It can be big. It doesn't matter what it is. It's affecting your life. So you just may be afraid of a lot of things, have anxiety, not be able to speak your mind, not be able to show up for yourself in, in this world. Maybe you're just always distracted. You can't get things done. You can't make decisions. You, there's so many things that the enemy will try and do to stop you. And so when you fast, you're not eating, you're spiritually open. But during that time, you are seeking God. If you need to know, okay, Lord, I know you want me to be a singer, but I don't know if I should quit my job. I don't know if I should sing for the church or sing, sing for this recording studio. What do you want me to do? That Those decisions cannot be made lightly because it's your life. You need to pray. And it's not just one prayer. It's being in the Bible. And you can just ask God. Maybe you don't know. You can just say, what do you want me to read? I'll close my eyes and I'll pick a chapter. Whatever it is, the Lord will work with you wherever you are in your journey. You don't have to be some bishop or pastor or some holy woman for God to talk to you and God to use you. He knows who you really are. You may not know who you really are because you are where you are right now, but he knows who you are. So he will work with you wherever you are to build your faith. And you need to... Trust that and trust that he will guide you along the way. And sooner or later, you'll realize, wow, look at all the stuff I know. Look at how close I am to God. It all came from just saying, okay, I'm here. Like, let's do this. And so 
when you're fasting, you're not going to be doing things like spending a lot of time talking to people on the phone, spending a lot of time. You shouldn't be watching anything like no movies. You're you're humbling yourself. When you do that, it, the reason why I'm, I'm stressing that is because because you're open spiritually. If you choose to engage in conversations and engage in, in things that are going on, the enemy will use that to ruin your fast. It's happened to me so many times until I caught on because I didn't really have anyone to guide me. Almost everything I've learned, I've learned just from the Holy Spirit and just my time with God. And I had to just kind of figure out, okay, people need to know this. (laughs) The enemy will try to use people to get into arguments with you, get to use you to gossip or to be in situations where people are being hostile to you. If you're not in the word, if you allow those distractions, oh, they're going to come. Because he doesn't want you to fast. He knows that when you fast, you are going to have serious breakthrough. You are no longer going to want to smoke that weed. You are no longer going to be scared to post a photo of your business on Instagram so people can support you. He knows it's over. And for him, like he's had you since you were 16. Like, where are you going? He doesn't want that. So he's going to try and do things to ruin your fast or to try to make you think nothing's going to happen or just steal the things that you've been learning, steal the word from you. Anytime you hear a word that just like moves you, the enemy will try and steal it from you and try to make you think that, oh, it's just BS or, oh, like that's not, that's not for you. People like you don't get that. And just try to make you forget whether that's you going on Instagram and seeing a post that someone posts that goes totally against what you've been working on. And you're like, oh, that's kind of true. And then you just everything that you've learned has now been stolen from you. So when you're fasting, you're not on Instagram, you're not on Facebook, you're not on YouTube, you're not getting distracted by the news and by other people's day. You are seeking and spending time with God. And if you're married, the number one person that he'll probably use is your husband to try to steal that word from you and steal your time from you and distract you. And you have to remember that you are in a position where you are seeking the Lord. You're going to have opposition. You you do not need to be afraid. When I first uh, started fasting, I like I said, it's only been like seven months. And in that time, I've done maybe like four different fasts. But the first one I did was 21 days. And I didn't know anything about fasting. And people kept saying like, oh, the devil's going to attack you. And so I was like, I don't want to be attacked. <laughs> I don't, maybe, maybe I don't want to do this. Like, I really don't want to be attacked. It wasn't until I understood my authority and understood that God will take care of me no matter what. He will try, but he will not be able to. You are under a different level of protection when you are fasting. The devil can't touch you. But what can happen are things that, especially that happen with me, are just like maybe feeling a little down sometimes, maybe not wanting to get things done because my YouTube channel also shifted dramatically. And so when I was fasting, this was around the time where God was leading me to different content. And all this content is helping people. It's giving people breakthrough. It's changing their lives. So the enemy, of course, was not very happy about that. And I would have times or periods where you would see where I'm like not posting anything. Those are the times where I just couldn't get myself to record or I would record and the video would sit in my camera for like a month because I just didn't have the motivation to edit. 
And those are like the attacks that I'm talking about where it's like, I know I have no problem doing this. I know that, you know, they need this information, but why can't I get it out? That's the enemy just trying to stop me from what I'm doing because of what it's doing for the kingdom. So being able to recognize, okay, this is odd. I don't normally feel this sluggish. How come I can't get out of bed? Why are people bothering me the one day that I need to be fasting? Whatever it is, knowing where it comes from and seeking God and praying during that time. And your prayers will be answered. You'll start to see a very big difference in how easily you can get in God's presence. So Definitely reach out to your doctor before you fast to make sure that you are able to. People do different kinds of fasts. Um, I've done some fasts where I did a 21 day fast where I did only four to six hours. The first time I fasted, I could barely get through four hours. And the longer you go, the easier it gets. But the first week is usually very intense because you've never done this and your body is just used to getting food at a certain time. Some people will do a fast for just like one whole day, 24 hours of not eating and only drinking. And again, just make sure your body can handle that. If you have a specific question, for me, in my experiences, God's always answered the question or gave me the breakthrough either during the fast or the very next day. And there's never been one time where I fasted about something and God did not give me the answer, the blessing, or the breakthrough. He promised that if you honor him in secret, he will show up and he will exalt you in public. You will be able to be rewarded in public for the things that you're doing in private. So you will always get a reward for fasting because you are, you are giving up your way of sustaining yourself and replacing it with God sustaining you. That is a major, that is full reliance in the Lord. And you are humbly, truly wanting to spend time with him and know what he wants. He will bless your socks off, but you have to be able to stick with it and do it the right way. I think that's about it for what I wanted to share. I definitely want you to read the chapter because she talks about having different spheres spheres of influence, how some people should be praying for certain things while others are praying for other things. She says it much better than I do. But praying for where God wants you to pray for because you can fast for yourself, but like let's say you have a sister who's on alcohol or a sister who is doing prostitution, then you can fast for them. You can say, I really want this person to stop this and stop being bound to this. And I'm going to pray and fast for this person's breakthrough. It's not always about you. It could be for your city. If you live in a city with a lot of violence and you're just scared to go outside, you're scared to do anything, pray for your city. But she talks about having um, different spheres of influence where you can pray for your city or your job site or your country. And I thought that was interesting. Prayers that release justice for women. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer you. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. Isaiah 58, 8 through 11. And here's a prayer. So you can close your eyes and you can pray with me. God, your word promises to break in with power to those who embrace God's chosen fast. Father, I pray that you will demonstrate your power for justice for women worldwide. Let the light of your power break forth like the morning. 
Let healing and deliverance be ignited to bring an end to the oppression of women and girls. Lord, righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. Let righteousness be extended to women. Lord, raise up deliverers who will execute justice that will help relive women from the bondage that results from oppressive laws and social barriers that have been created over decades or centuries. Lord, let modern-day Esthers be set in governmental positions that will give women a voice in the decision-making process. Let women all over the world be empowered to break the bonds of wickedness and heavy burdens. Let every yoke be destroyed. Lord, give me creative ideas on how to help the oppressed. I will dream big and think outside the box. I believe change is possible, and I want to be part of the solution. Lord, give me creative ways to raise awareness of women's issues. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One last thing I wanted to add about fasting is that it's so powerful for you to fast with someone else. If you have a family member who you're worried about or a friend or just something you need to fast with another person, have a, I, I wish I had more people who are willing to fast with me. But if you had a friend and you can just say, you know, I really want to leave my job. I, I can't stand going to work. I cry every day. I just, I don't want this anymore. I know what God wants for me, but I don't know if I can leave my job. Will you fast with me on Thursday and pray and fast together? And you will see enormous breakthrough when you fast with another person. It's great if a church can fast together, an organization can fast together. The more, the better. It's so powerful when you're in agreement with one another. So if someone is willing to do that, I would recommend that you ask the person to fast with you. It is so powerful, especially if you're married. If you and your husband are married, you're not sure if you want more children, you're not sure how you're going to deal with this new child that you're pregnant with, whatever it is, pray with your husband and fast together and figure out what the Lord wants you to do with your family, with your finances, with your future. It's going to happen. He will 110% always answer you. And when you come humbly like that, he's going to answer you and bless you at the same time. If you are struggling with your femininity, last thing, if you're struggling with that, if you know that you carry so many masculine traits that have pushed people away, so many things that have hindered you from being the woman that God's asked you to be, fast about that. Ask the Lord to help you to become more feminine, help you to be more soft, have a more quiet spirit, be able to pursue your goals and your dreams in a feminine way, not wish you were a man. All the things that are oppressing you, ask the Lord to take it off of you through fasting and prayer, and he will transform you if you let him. He will transform you. He made you. All he's doing is taking off all the things that the enemy put on you that he did not authorize. Okay, so I'm going to go to the comments. If you have any questions, please let me know. There are different fasts in the Bible. The Daniel fast is a really popular fast. I've never done that one. So when I do it, I'll let you know. But a lot of people like the Daniel fast. And I think that there's a book one of my subscribers just told me about called the Daniel fast. That's a really great book to read. And I think it's very helpful.
<sighs> yes, someone said that the devil tries to bring me terrible thoughts and I cast them out in the name of Jesus. Satan is a liar. Absolutely. It's it's incredible how you can just be having a, a nice day, having great thoughts, and then some sick thought will come in your mind. Or you can be looking at a person and some nasty thought will come into you. It's like, what? where did this thought come from? Like you have to shut it down immediately because the devil will do that. He'll put images and thoughts in your mind just to throw you off. And it's terrible. How do we know when God gave us a certain scripture to read? I, I believe that that is just by faith. If you are in prayer, if you are connected with the Lord, you will have thoughts that come to you and you have to trust those thoughts if they're in alignment with God and just do it. Just start having more faith in the things that come to your mind and not spending so much time thinking, is this God? Is it not God? If he just put in your, like today, randomly, he was telling me about Joseph, like, oh, remember Joseph and his workplace and how I blessed his whole workplace? And I was like, I kind of want to read Joseph. And that's how I found the story about Tamar. And I brought it up to you today. And I think that's something he wanted me to share. So it's just about faith. You don't really always know. Sometimes some people, if you are, this is a beautiful thing. If you're connected with people of God, this is why I love and I wish I had more friends. I wish I had more friends and I wish I had more friends that were Christ followers because the more people you have in your life, the more God can use them to speak to you, which I think is so beautiful. But one of my cousins, he told me like, I really want you to read the book of Moses, this particular scripture, when I was dealing with something that was kind of similar. And I read it and God opened up so many different things to me, not just what he wanted me to read, but other things as well. Um, and I had been kind of feeling like I needed to read Exodus, but he opened up so many things from just someone telling me like, hey, I think you should read this. I think it kind of goes with your situation. So when you have people in your life who know the word, who love God and who love you, they can always point you to um, different things because God will use people to speak to you. My mentor, she, and she's a woman from my church. She was my Sunday school teacher as a little girl. And when I got a lot older, a couple of years ago, I asked her to be my mentor. And we, before COVID, we would meet once a month and just have dinner. And she's in her early 60s. But I just wanted a woman who was a woman of God, who had a lot of wisdom to pour into me. So I asked her and she said, yeah. And so something she tells me she does all the time is she'll just ask God to point her to a scripture, just ask the Holy Spirit to point her to a scripture and close her eyes and literally point to a scripture and meditate on it and ask the Holy Spirit to speak through her, speak to her through the scripture, which is what I did this morning when I found the one on justice and it just so happened to line up with this. So trusting God, when I was reading it this morning, I'm like, why is he having me read about justice? I, I don't, this has nothing to do with my day. <laughs> so just trust God. Do you fast with only water or nothing at all? So that is very, that's a really good question. It depends on you. Like I've talked to so many people about fasting because I was just obsessed with it at a certain point, trying to figure out what to do. And recommended is water, tea, uh, cranberry juice. I believe those are the three that I see pastors recommending the most. Personally, when I fasted, I only drank coconut water because it has electrolytes and it would keep me from getting a headache. Um, water, sparkling water. I would drink coffee sometimes, which is not, I don't think you should drink coffee. You should drink tea, but I would drink coffee sometimes uh, because I just wanted that like coffee rush, which I didn't need to do, but 
I would say coconut water is fantastic. Water, tea, and no food. Now, I know some people who did some long fasts and they, I want to say they did like a five day and they would eat like one egg in the morning and nothing else. I did do a three day fast with no food whatsoever, like three days straight, which I think is very intense. You have to make sure that you're in the right physical state to do that. But that was the best fast I have ever done. And I did not want to eat after the third day. I was just, I just felt like I was in God's arms. Like I was just so in love and I just, it was the most beautiful experience I've ever experienced spiritually. But usually, and the first day was very tough. The second two days were a breeze because God will hold you through that. He will not let you just suffer. Trust me. Like you will not feel, it sounds so bad, but you will be able to get through it if you can. I struggle with thoughts and voices in my head. That, having thoughts and voices in your head, what do you mean by you struggle with it? Like you hear voices in your head? Do you hear thoughts? Are they your own thoughts? Are they someone else's voices? What are they telling you? Because sometimes, you know, you could have gifts that you're unaware of. Sometimes they could be signs of mental illness. And that really, those things are things that you have to bring to the Lord, but you would need to be able to decipher like, okay, what are these thoughts and voices telling me to do? And uh, what do they sound like? Are they scaring you? Are they, you know, those are questions you have to be able to ask yourself. You may need to go the mental health route and be able to get those voices to decrease while you work on the spiritual aspect of things. You ever, There is not one thing in this world that you cannot be healed from. I do not believe that. I believe that there any and everything you can be healed from. But you do have to seek God in a very serious way. And sometimes, yeah, you do need some, you do need a medication regimen in order to get yourself in a position where you can think clearly enough to tackle the spiritual things. And when the time comes where you don't need that anymore, the Lord will tell you, and then you will talk to your doctor, you can get off the medication. And I've seen it happen plenty of times, but you do need to seek God. The Esther fast, she did three days, no food, no water. That is the most intense fast you could ever do. That is something I would definitely seek my physician before I ever did because that is that is intense. So she did the most intense fast. She had nothing. She didn't do anything. All she did was pray and seek God. Could you fast to learn about your past life? I don't believe in that. I don't believe in a in a past life. So I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't believe in any of that kind of stuff. What are some results you see when you fast? Results. You see answers. Sometimes you'll see opportunities, you'll get miracles will happen. Certain things will just be taken off of you. Like for example, me even doing these lives came from a fast that I did. I did a 40 day fast to break off tons of spiritual ties that were on me, things that were just so silly (laughs) that I just didn't understand why I was having a problem doing it. I never did lives. I've never done a live ever since I've been on YouTube, but I knew that me being afraid to speak live was preventing me from helping people. And if I didn't overcome this, I couldn't get to the next step. I had to overcome it. And it didn't make any sense as to why I couldn't do it. So once I fasted and prayed about it, one day I just got on my my phone and went on Instagram live. And I had never gone on Instagram live by myself before. I barely even knew how to work it, but I'm like, I'm not letting the devil touch one more thing about me. I'm sick of it. 
these things are silly and they're stopping me from making progression in my life. And that fast took all of that stuff off that fear, that self doubt, all of those feelings. It just took it right off of me to be able to just jump on camera and say what I need to say without worrying about all of the extras. And God is always with you. He will help you, but you have to trust him that he took it off of you or else I wouldn't be able to do any of the stuff that I'm doing right now. So yes, you can fast to God to reveal things to you. Oh yeah, like I fasted for God to reveal like certain people in my life that maybe don't have the best things in mind for me, maybe really truly don't care for me, even though they're my friends. I asked for that and that was, uh, that was the toughest, the toughest thing I had to go through in terms of fasting. It hit me so hard because the people he revealed were people that I didn't even expect him to reveal. And I was so hurt. But at the same time, none of it was a surprise. It was just certain things I was not paying attention to or I refused to pay attention to. And he put it in the forefront like, okay, well, you asked and this is what the answer is. You can choose to keep them or you can choose to, you know, make your decision. But these are who these people are. You do what you want to do with that information. So... That was hard for me. I didn't want to accept that. I didn't, I didn't want to lose friends, but I lost so many friends. Well, I mean, obviously they weren't really my friends, but it's okay. <laughs> yes, fasting is so exciting. All the people that I know, like my family, my cousin, she's like one of my closest friends, especially spiritually. She lives in Germany. We fast all the time and like, it, it, it's not obviously, it's not an addiction, but it becomes so great you find out so many things you you get these experiences that are just life-changing that you just want to keep doing it so now i fast one day every week the same day every week i fast for 12 hours no matter what i fast and that day is always like <laughs> the most I'm, I'm the closest to god on that day like i feel god's presence so strong i get answers i get breakthrough but it's always one day a week but i think it's great if you can do a long fast at least once a year like a 21 day a 40 day fasting is a best as a believer the spiritual benefits are crazy oh yeah and the physical benefits that's so true the physical benefits are you're not doing it for that reason and you shouldn't go into it for the, but there are physical benefits. And I believe that God orchestrates every single thing in the Bible so that you can live the best life. If you're following what he's asked you to do, you will notice like your body is going to be fit. You're going to be healthy. He's asked you to do these things to be able to maintain not just your spirit, but also your body. He cares about your body because he lives there. The Holy Spirit lives there. All right, my loves, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. I hope that it answered some of your questions that you have about fasting and praying. I just want you to know that the Lord loves you so, so much. And for so many of you who are struggling with secret sins, struggling with things that you've been struggling with your whole life, there is hope. He just wants you to draw near to him and he will draw near to you. He loves you so much and just wants you to be able to spend time with him. So if you have not made Jesus real to you in your life, then just pray and ask Jesus to make himself real to you. Develop a personal relationship with God. And I promise you, your entire life is going to blossom. It's going to open up and you'll be able to get the promises and all the blessings that the Lord has in store for you. I thank you ladies so much for listening to this podcast and being here today. 
I thank you for all the kind words that you leave me on my Instagram page, all of the great reviews that you've left. I truly appreciate and love each and every one of you. And I constantly pray for your development. I hope that you have a blessed day. Make sure to follow me on my Instagram page, A Feminine Impression, and on my personal page, Dr. Michelle Daff. You can also join me on my YouTube channel, Dr. Michelle Daff, to get this content in video form. I love each and every one of you ladies. I pray that you have a blessed week. And remember that in all things you do, make a feminine impression. Until next time, my loves. Bye-bye. I saw you walking with me.